Yes, hello folks, welcome to the Manchester United Show. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, joining our regular co-host here tonight, a fantastic Cal McFadden. Martin will be back at some point, folks. Uh, Martin, as I've said before, started a new job, so he's preoccupied with that. But he definitely will be back at some point. But uh, in the meantime, I'm now doing this with Callum. It's been a couple of weeks since I recorded, mate. So, uh, have you been? Not bad at all, I have to say. Um, the end of the season was is always a sad moment as a, as a football fan, mm-hmm. but it was it was great to have United back far quicker than, than we'd normally have to wait. Mm-hmm. The second leg against Lask Linz was 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 strange because the game was over. Let's be honest, in the first leg, even even they admitted that yeah. getting into the second. But it's just good to have United back, and hopefully we've got them back for another two games of what we would call this season's competition. Yeah, it is good to see United back, of course. Uh, the last two games that we've seen them back, second leg against Linz and the game against Copenhagen, were not great. Obviously, like the second leg against Linz was a write-off, as we know. Um, and then, of course, the game against Copenhagen. The first half, United were really poor. They improved a bit as the game went on. And we've started to see a Martial. And the consistency of Martial, we haven't seen it United. He's looking like a fantastic number nine. I've said before, what Martial brings to United... In that number nine position, you can see it's obvious why they sold Lukaku. No, no reflection on how good Lukaku is. It's just a reflection he doesn't fit this United team, and Martial does. Uh, it's important. It's a good thing that he is in form, Callum, because um, Marcus Rashford has not been in form. And I'm saying pretty much since the resumption of football after COVID, it just hasn't. He hasn't found his feet yet. He's been poor. His final, his final ball is poor. Um, you know, he, he, look to me, he's a world class talent. Right, he's a he's a magnificent football player, and um, he gets unfairly criticised by United fans. Right, and and I think we have to also caution about listening to some people on Twitter, because um, these are people that uh, I wonder if there were goldfish attacks in Spain, because they make evaluations on players primarily based on the last one or two games. We heard Scott Parker talk about this, um, and this is unfortunately a result of social media and um, clickbait headlines where everything is dramatic. Uh, human beings have ups and downs. Marcus Rashford's no different. Magnificent player, and I have no doubt of the course the season will comfortably prove to be that. Um, but it has to be said, he has not been playing well since the resumption of football and to get to Mason Greenwood is. Uh, absolutely. And you're right when it comes to to Greenwood, he's, he's a player who's very exciting. He was good in the, the league campaign when football resumed. He's been really good since the, since the, the club's come back. Martial, for me, has just been incredible. He's, he's like a completely different player to the, to, to the guy we saw in the last days in Mourinho. I mean, he, he just seems enthused by, by playing for the club. He's got a smile on his face. He's, He's, he's scoring goals, assisting goals, and if he's not doing those two things, he's winning penalties as well. And and I want to say something to, to those cynics who listen, who maybe listen to this show, even though they support other clubs, that's, that's up to them, who complain about United's penalties. Now, United have got quite a lot of penalties this year, but seeing a world where VAR exists, those penalties have to be justified because you look over the years, you could have said, oh, it's biased towards this team or that team. Now the technology is there. And when not only the referee is given the penalty on first viewing, but on second viewing or through VER, people need to stop complaining. And to reference the, the goldfish um, memories you were saying there, I totally agree when it comes to Bruno Fernandes. There's been a few, a few fans online 
complaining that he's, he's he, the team relies too much on him. He's overrated. And you think to yourself, the guy played highly intense football at Sporting Lisbon. He was their talisman. He was the man who made things tick for them. He was he was their captain. A lot of responsibility came with that. He then came into United, helped transform the team, took on a focal point within the team, um, pre and post lockdown. So at the end of the day, yes, he might have looked a bit leggy in the last few league games. Yes, you might say the other night he wasn't at his his stunning best. But you cannot judge a man on two games when for, for the majority of his United career so far, he's been the best player in the park in most games. And and he's a, he's, he's a player who everyone will be enthused and excited to see next season, not only this season. And, and these fans make me laugh and, and you've referenced it as I've said if United if we win the Europa League and Fernandez plays brilliantly in the final these fans will shut up and pretend they never had these opinions and that's what frustrates me and you've spoken about this numerous times as well you support your football club you do not support a certain player or a couple of players you support your football club and I think some people need to remember that we've seen that when it comes to the likes of Jesse Lingard and Phil Jones now these two guys aren't players who, let's be honest with you, if, they start in the, if they're in the starting 11, you're not, as a fan and a football follower, overly happy that United are relying on players like that at this stage. However, it's, it doesn't mean you can abuse them. It doesn't mean you don't back them when they're on the pitch. And, and sometimes it annoys me because I feel that people forget about that. Sure, a few players can have a few off games, but you judge them you, you judge them in what they deliver for United and no doubt about it, Fernandez is delivered for United, whatever anyone says. No saying, if you're an idiot, keep your mouth shut rather than open it and removing all doubt. And one good thing that Twitter has done, I suppose, is a platform for outing idiots. Idiots. These are the same people that would have said Cantona was overrated in his last season. Because he wasn't great in his last season. These people are empty vessels and they should be sunk. The idea that Bruno Fernandes is overrated. I, I, I can only assume it was done for one reason and for one reason only. For the purpose of a reaction. Because it can't possibly be someone's actual evaluation. And if it is, ignore absolutely everything this person says for the rest of their life. When it comes to football. There is absolutely zero to contribute. I, I, I honestly couldn't believe my eyes when I opened them. And, you know, and, and I accept that you know, I'm often on the influence of a substance or two. So it could be I'm uh, hallucinating. It's not going to be the first. <clears throat> but um, much to my chagrin, I find out this is an actual comment that's intended to be taken serious. I mean, what... Do you, you don't deserve to even, to, 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 you don't deserve anything to me. If, if you genuinely think that Bruno Fernandes is overrated, based on what? Because he hasn't had a glorious last couple of games. But remember, these are the same people that there's, an abundance of video clips running around where their opinions clearly based on um, 
anecdotal evidence. What they see, because we've seen this where they've gone from Slate and Solskjaer to tell him he should be gone and be out and he's an idiot and he's a PE teacher and all to saying he's the man. Right? And we've seen them say this about Marcus Rashford and we've seen them say this about so many other people. Right? So I understand in the world of media, maybe you have to do this to get a reaction for views, likes, or whatever. Right? And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that was the intention. It wasn't actually a serious comment. Because if it's a genuinely serious comment, that it's got to be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I don't know, no issue with the guy at all. Rance is a decent lad. No, no, no problem with him whatsoever. Uh, he's never done me any wrong. Just couldn't possibly disagree with him absolutely more on something like this. And I think it's absolutely absurd that we have to comment on it. I mean, what, what, I mean what, 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 what's next? I don't know, Ronaldo's overrated? Why? Did I have a good game last week? I mean, it's insanity. If you take a look at what Bruno Fernandes has done in terms of goals he scored, and penalties can't. Take a look at how many you know, point, points were dropped the first half of the season over dicking around over penalties. If Bruno Fernandes doesn't score these penalties, first of all, you know they're not where they are. Secondly, if he doesn't come to the club, they are not where they are. Does he remember what United were before he came? I do. They're unwatchable. Jesus Christ. Unbelievable, Matt. Yeah. So that's the level of commentary you have. We, I don't even I, I, I even feel almost offended to respond to it. It's, it's totally absurd. Um, but um, some other things, some other news, mate. We'll obviously talk about Jaden Sancho here in a minute and talk about a couple of other things. Big decisions coming up for United this summer with Dean Henderson and uh, De Gea. What was interesting to me, the quarterfinal, this, United had a big game against Copenhagen. It's important. United need, you need to win trophies for this team to learn to trust itself. Um, for for Solskjaer to find a lot about players, about whether they can deliver under pressure. They've, we've already lost an FA Cup semi-final. We've already lost the League Cup semi-final. We basically won what was a cup final against Leicester. So now you need to, need to deliver against a team like Sevilla. Because these are the barometers where you need to test themselves to find out just how good they actually are. And this is the way we find out. So it was interesting to me at Solskjaer did two things. He, did, he, he brought Bailly instead of Lindelof. And he played Romero instead of De Gea. In a game that United need to win, where he's no point in resting players, he would like to believe he plays what he believes is a start, strongest start in the lab. Um, the Dean Henderson situation with the hair, how do you see that going? It's a situation that, uh, that really, I, I find myself changing my mind sometimes on an almost daily basis. But the way I think it will go, and I can only say that I think because I don't know for sure, of course, I think they bring Henderson back this summer for pre-season because the transfer window's open until October and I think, to be honest with you, Sheffield United would wait on him for the first few games if they had to. I think they'll bring him back with the intention of giving De Gea another season, but bringing him back for pre-season to give De Gea a proverbial bit up the arse because I think the reason that De Gea, for me, has dropped a bit of form could be down to a number of factors. Now, this is clearly me just speculating. I don't know this. But I think De Gea looks at Romero and thinks, if I've played this badly so far and you've not usurped me as number one, are you ever going to, you ever going to be a threat to me for a sustained period of time? Whereas I think when it comes to Dean Henderson, 
it's a whole different ball game. He's been playing in the Premier League this season. He played a full season in the Championship. We all know he's 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 um, a young and up and coming English player, which leads to to the English media in particular. Um, of course, been really interested in hyping him up. There's a potential, according to Gareth Southgate and people close to him, if you believe what you read in the media, of course, that he's going to get capped by England and be in the squads very soon. There's a major championship next summer. So I think De Gea will get a fright if Henderson comes back because with the Euros coming next year, Henderson can't afford to mess next season up. He's going to be... I'm not saying that the, the lad wouldn't be motivated if there wasn't a tournament. not saying that by any means. But he's going to come back desperate to... to you up the hair and be United's number one, but crucially, be England's number one as well. So, I think for me, I see him coming back, spending pre season, and then Ollie will make the call. But at the moment, I think he'll give the hair one more year and you'll see Henderson back at Sheffield United. And if not, Sheffield United, another the high profile Premier League club. Hey guys, what will happen? I think they'll loan him back out again for another year, and with, uh, with the provision that they'll tell him, look. And I'm sure Henderson's going to seek these assurances himself before he signs this new contract and all that. that look, I'm not going to keep doing this. And, you know, I think for United, this is not the season, the summer, to sell David De Gea. Right? You can't. Doesn't, I mean, of all, all the potential destinations, none of them have any money. So uh, I think he will go. Um, I think he will go. I think he will stay another year. My opinion is, I, w- I, I think United... David De Gea doesn't deserve to be in his number one anymore. I took a look at his career. Um, I don't have the notes anymore. I did it a couple of weeks ago. Over the last 10 years. And what was staggering to me was how many times De Gea goes on runs of form where he makes mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. When I looked at him in the Euros, for example, with Spain, he was the Euros, Seven shots on target, he conceded six. And the result with Russia didn't save any penalties. Uh, I went through his entire career, looked at 2018, his mistakes against Arsenal, his mistakes against Chelsea uh, that were big for United. He cost United points this season. He should be saving them points. Look, he's been a fantastic goalkeeper, but there's a trend throughout his career. You look at Moyes, for example. The only semi-final Moyes was in the League Cup semi-final. David Day had dropped a clanger against Sunderland, the sense he gave the penalties, you know, they'd lose it, right? There's a trend throughout his career to do this. And I look at him and I think, David De Gea is not great with the ball at his feet. So you, what you sacrifice with De Gea is, okay, he's not great with the ball at his feet, but he's a great chat stopper. When he loses that, what's the value to De Gea? I mean, I remember an article two years ago that said um, Ederson was the best keeper in the Premier League. I was offended, but uh, I could no longer say David Hayes is the best keeper in the Premier League, never mind the world. So I think that being said, I don't know if Dean Henderson's done enough, to be fair, to be qualified as United number one either. I don't think Romero's the answer, right? So I think with, David, with Dean Henderson, I remember talking to Franz Hoke about this, the one thing you don't know is, does he have the... the, the, the being a Manchester United goalkeeper is a very lonely experience. You have to be very mentally strong, right? You don't get away with it. It's totally different than any other position on the pitch. If you look at... Sorry for interrupting yeah, me, but if you look at... 
a goalkeeper I really admire and I really like. I'm sure you'd agree with this. He's a solid Premier League goalkeeper as Ben Foster now. When he got his opportunity at Old Trafford, you would think, right, up-and-coming English keeper. He did a season out low at Watford mm. in the Premier League. He performed very well there. But it was just a bit too much for him for whatever reason. Now, I can't speculate because I don't know the reasons why, but for whatever reason, he just wasn't entirely comfortable being United's number one in that goal at the Stratford end. And as you've said, and as Franz Hoke said, Playing for Sheffield United, taking nothing away from them, good season. But this is Manchester United. Yeah. This is a club where a draw is a catastrophe and a, and a defeat is a disaster. Well, I think Ben Foster is a good goalkeeper for a league mid-table club that has no expectation. But a club like United, where everything is under scrutiny, that's where we don't know about Dean Henderson. And really, you don't know who to the plan, right? So at some point, I think he will probably be another year. I think Solskjaer will give De Gea another year, but I'm not sure De Gea has earned that. So I think that's what will happen. Um, Tahit Chong will probably go out on loan to Werder Bremen, which I think is a good move for Tahit Chong. What was really interesting is uh, Scott McTominay was asked about this the other day, and he was asked about whether he would rate Mabry or Tahit Chong as the next uh, United player to make a breakthrough. And he, he said to Heath Chong, which was surprising to me, because Heath Chong's very rarely impressed me, right? He's 20 years of age, he needs to be playing, he needs to be playing first team football, right? Fred Bremen's a good move for him, right? Um, and we'll, we'll see a lot about him and, and his development. Probably James Garner will go out on loan. Here's the, the concern for me, though, because the one thing that we know is United squad is way too thin. And if you've got quality young players in that squad that are capable of playing first-team football. It's great that you loan them out, and it's ultimately better for their development, but I really, really worry about this United squad and its depth and who comes in. I know they've brought a couple of young players in from Spain that's going to fill out their academy. Uh, Neil Wood was asked about the next young players to come through from their academy, and he named the obvious ones, Laird, Levitt, and all that. But one player he also mentioned was uh, Arno Pujma, uh, who is a young attacker midfielder. So possibility we could see him uh, in the first team. I don't see enough of the kids to know whether he's top young talent. There's some burning accounts on Twitter that really do look at United's under-23s and all that and, and have brilliant analysis on it. But I, uh, possibly we could see him next season. Um, but uh, it's a thin squad, as we've seen, that really doesn't have the capacity to rotate in any type of game. We saw it against Norwich in the FA Cup. Right? Um, Lingard also has a year left on his contract. Right? You would imagine Jesse Lingard, when you hire Mina Rioli, you hire him to move. Right? Um, but I spoke to some of the people that worked there at that agency. And uh, they weren't talking like uh, this is a year to move anyone. Right? They were talking about their players taking pay cuts and how concerned they are for players at the middle and bottom end of the scale on their agency and whether they were going to get paid next season or not. And uh, this is, uh, you know, we talk about Paul Pogba in a new contract. Paul Pogba has a year left on his contract and uh, with an option for another year, so you know they're comfortable there. But um, I think with Jesse Lingard, yeah, here's the predicament Soul goes in. So you sell Lingard, you get 10 million for him, right? That's what you get to replace him. This is why the likes of Phil Jones are still on the books. 
because they cap because they don't get the money to replace them. So you end up keeping players that really shouldn't be there and they stay away too long. So from Solskjaer's perspective, Jesse Lingard is not first-team material. He's not good enough to replace any of the team the players that start. But if you sell him, what have you got in there? I mean, I don't like, I mean, I don't read him. I don't want to say I don't like him because the abuse that he takes is absolutely scandalous, right? And it's actually making me like the guy because I feel sorry for what that human being, and everyone reduces everything to a paycheck. Don't do that. Don't be dealing mail and say, someone makes this much money, therefore they must be happy, as they did with Aaron Lennon. Absolutely appalling. He's a human being. So, but I just think from a football perspective, he's not good enough, right? But how do you replace him with £10 million? That is the question, and, and it's, it's not only Lingard as well, Phil. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and you know this, I'm, I'm preaching to the, to, the, to the man who knows here, but you look at that bench the other night, um, Lindelof, obviously, he's in and out first team, steady player. Mata, for me, no longer good enough to be relied on for a sustained period of games at the high level. Lingard, Pereira, James, Fosu, Mensa, the same for me. Igalo, I know he's done well in the Europa League when he's been called on the FA Cup, but would I want to see him playing 12 games in a row up top for United in the Premier League? I'm being totally honest, no. Matic, steady. We know what he can do. McTominay as well. And then obviously Chong and, 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 and Menge are, are both unt- untested, to be fair to them. But you're right, the conundrum for United this summer, and one of the listeners got in touch with us before we started tonight to say, would you take just Jaden Sancho this summer or would you rather United got a quality centre-back, a quality defensive midfielder and even, as we're saying now, maybe some more depth? And It's a real catch-22, that question. And, 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 it's, and something that I know we're passionate about, all of us in the show, Martin included, United have the finance. United have the, the financial muscle to strengthen that squad. Now, I understand... From their side, they may well say, as, as, as you've rightly said, we can't shift the Jones, we can't shift the Rojo, we can't shift the Lingard, we can't shift the Pereira, we can't afford to recruit five more players to boost this squad when we're paying their wages. And I can understand that argument from, from their point of view, but then at the same time, I would want to look back at them and say, well, you gave those players the contracts. You gave Jones, if you believe the rumours, close to £100,000 a week. Now, the wages are material because at the end of the day, for me, it's just not good enough to play week in, week out at Manchester United. But they gave these players these deals. And you're right. If Lingard, you get £10 million, what do you do? Uh, and, and the answer to that, I'm afraid, is I don't know. Because you look at a Jack Grealish. I would like United to sign somebody like a Jack Grealish and for him to be on the bench, starting games, trying to work, work his way in. But... I just don't see the club forking out 60 million quid in a guy who's not guaranteed to start in the 11. And for me, that's sad because you look across at Man City and for all the, the, the praise that Pep Guardiola gets as a coach, over 300 million pounds in defenders, whereas United won't be backed to, 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 to bring in, say, three midfielders like Pep did with defenders. Well, a couple of things. First of all, Phil Jones just doesn't have a body that can stand up to rigorous professional sport anymore. And he gets a lot of grief from United fans. And again, a lot of people turn around and say, he's making this much money, blah, blah, blah. Listen, money buys comfort, it doesn't buy happiness. And a human being is much more than a paycheck that they earn, right? And I can guarantee you, if you reach depression in your life or whatever, how much money you make will not lift you out of it. You will never make enough money to lift you out of it. Phil Jones, I can do nothing but empathize with. Uh, He's lost primarily his career. He's constantly injured. 
he doesn't get injured because he intends to. Um, you know, and so whatever the reason, you know, it, it, it is not someone that you should, in my opinion, have a deep dislike for. He didn't do anything deliberately. Didn't do anything bad. You know, he's not a bad human being. I feel sorry for him. Um, Chris Smalling. I think United will sell Chris Smalling because he is one of the players that actually will fetch some money, right? And I think he'd be a good signing. However, I'm not in the camp of people who think that United should keep him. He didn't go to AS Roma and become Berezi, right? Remember what he was before we sold him, before we moved him on. Right? Chris Smalling was a defender that made big mistakes in big games and had no intelligence. I don't know how many times I remember Chris Smalling against Manchester City get a yellow card in the first 10 minutes and you just knew a red card was coming. You knew he was going to lunge into a channel, challenge, do something stupid and get sent off because you can't coach intelligence. So for me, Chris Molling, nice guy. He was doing well in Italy. He liked it out there. It was good for him, good for his career. If they can find an Italian club to give him 20 million, sell him. Right? Um, he's not the answer to United's problems. If I had to make a choice between Sancho and a quality defender and a quality midfielder, I'd pick a quality defender and a quality midfielder. That being said, Jaden Sancho is a generational talent. Right? Jaden Sancho is a player that... Very rarely do you get an opportunity to send a player that would improve any team in the world, right? And he would. Sensational talent, right? Quality, uh, and I think, actually, the price that Borussia Dortmund are asking is reasonable. When you look at what other players have gone for, forget COVID, right? Talking about Joao Felix, I'm talking about Coutinho, Dembali, or whatever. Whether they were right fees or not. The market for those types of players, Gareth Bale went to Real Madrid in 2012 for 90 million, right? The market for these players, that's actually a reasonable price, in my opinion, for Jadon Sancho, right? So there's only a couple of details matter in a negotiation. One, does the seller need to sell? And if they don't, they're in control of the negotiation. Two, is the buyer desperate or not? Right? Do they have the money? And is the individual in question desperate for one outcome? Those are the only details that matter. Right now, we don't know if Jaden Sancho is desperate to go to Manchester United. We do know. United have clearly been targeting him for a while, and I'm certain we'll have had discussions with him. And it may end up where Jaden Sancho has to put in a transfer request and sacrifice some money for him to make this move happen. Right, um, <clears throat> so if it's not incumbent upon Borussia Dortmund to know their players and drop the price so Manchester United can afford them, in the same way it wouldn't be incumbent upon Manchester United to say someone come in for Mason Greenwood and say, we'd like to sign Mason Greenwood. Okay, do you know what? You can tell me how much you'll pay and we'll drop the price and the payment terms, everything, so you can afford them. Right? I guarantee you no United fan would want that to happen. I certainly wouldn't. If Real Madrid come come from Mason Greenwood and say, hey, I know you live value him at 150 million, but we only value him at 80 COVID all after so take, take the 80 and we'll be done. That's not how negotiations work. So with Tien Sancho, Borussia Dortmund, by the looks of things, don't need to sell, right? And if they hold on to him for a year, he's got a contract in 2023. Maybe after COVID, lots of teams have recovered, they get their money, and then other teams become involved. And if other teams become involved, United won't sign him. Because anytime they get competition for a player, they lose them, right? 
So this is an opportunity, a rare opportunity to get a free run on an exceptional world-class talent, right, that wants to come to your football club. Solskjaer saved the club millions with the Adidas deal. He saved the club millions by getting into the Champions League. He's improved this club with every sign that he's made. So he turned around after Leicester and said, I've already given the board my list. He wants three players of who I want. Right? So here's what I've been told. Uh, I was told that if, and that's a big if, Jaden Sancho comes, that will be it unless a number of players are sold because the finances are too uncertain. Please don't put that all over Twitter, right? Um, but uh, that's what I've been told. Uh, I also spoke to people about Paul Pogba's contractual situation and uh, was told that um, they, they uh, Paul will probably sign a new contract if certain commitments are made. Um, again, please don't put this over Twitter. If uh, United make promises to Pogba that uh, they, they deliver on the promises they made to him last time that he didn't feel were kept, right? So I think what will probably happen is he'll wait to see what they do in the summer, over the summer, or whether he's sufficiently convinced that what they're telling him is true. Um, and uh, he will end up signing for, um, he will end up signing a new contract. This is not the summer of moving. Um, you know, so f when it comes to Holland also, I keep hearing a lot of nonsense about a release clause being the reason why he didn't sign for United. I was told something completely different. And I was told that uh, he was not convinced by United's, how do I say this? When he went to Dortmund, I was told that Dortmund, he sat down with Borussia Dortmund's tactical team. Uh, they showed him hours and hours of tapes that they had of him that showed his strengths, his weaknesses. They scouted him, how they planned to develop him. And I'd heard that he was more convinced by the presentation um, from Dortmund about his football and the, and the structure within Dortmund and his development than he was at United. And I was told he only had a phone call, a one call with, one detailed call with Solskjaer. So, um, so it would appear that there was football reasons for that rather than financial. And again, I would say if there was a financial clause in, in, in Holland's contract, nobody found out about it until the day before he signed to Dortmund. Are you telling me that United didn't know there was a fundamental clause in his contract? a release clause until the day before he signed for Dortmund, surely that would be one of the first things to be communicated in, in negotiations so you would know right away and not, and not proceed. I mean, that's what I think would happen. Exactly. And that's the thing that's frustrating. Um, when you look at the Sancho situation in particular, it just it frustrates me massively that with United, it eventually sinks into same old, same old in the sense that Last summer, Leicester, want 80 million for Maguire. No, we're going to get the price down. Leicester, maintained, we want 80 million for Maguire again. It drags on and on and on. And then eventually, 80 million pounds is paid for Maguire and they get the player. And this is the thing with Sancho. If you see guys on Twitter like Christian Falk, 
Jan Ingefortov, who are very well connected in Germany, they are going on the record to say, if you, if that 108 million is paid, um, even if it's in instalments, as long as there's a substantial amount up front, the player can move. Now, these guys, as you well know, Phil, would not go on the record and put their necks in the line like that, uh, especially in the one of the Twitter, if they weren't damn sure that was going to be the case. So what annoys me, when, when you consider United's stance at the moment, is Dortmund have been very clear. They've got Sancho for another two years. <clears throat> if he doesn't move, they can move him on next summer. Now, we don't know where this COVID crisis is going to move, but if Sancho is another top season and the COVID crisis, um, I'm not saying disappears, but gets substantially better, albeit, yeah, you could say he's in the last year of his deal, but they'll get that money. They will get it. Somebody will pay it. And this is a problem United, for me, have. If they leave it too late and somebody comes in and then we get the briefings of, oh, um, oh, we didn't really know that was the fear. Oh, no, they were saying something different to us, but they treated this club differently. People are going to, people are going to see through it. And the club surely have to be aware of this because Mourinho complained about centre-back and he was overruled by... Apparently by Ed Woodward, so Mourinho and his camp have claimed in the press. Now, whether that's true or not, again, I don't know. But that's what he claimed and his camp claimed. Now, I know there's, there's, there's tribalism there and they need to protect their client. I get that. But if that was the case and he eventually leaves acrimoniously, why on earth would you do the same or something similar with Solskjaer when, as you've said, he finished Champions League, he's got you to three semi-finals, he has saved you money on that Adidas contract that was crucial. United and Chevrolet, they are allegedly, I'm sure, it was, I'm sure it was revealed, I'm not going to be taking their sponsorship forward again, they're not going to renew it. So should I ever get United at the Champions League with the likes of Fernandez there, with Pogba there, with Martial, Greenwood, Rashford? He's making them more attractive to the sponsors that, the club desperately crave and the club desperately um, love to get in because they, 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 can bring ca- they can bring cash, they can bring credit. And, if that, and, and when, you, when you say those things out loud and they're haggling over his main transfer target, it's a slap in the face to him. It's a slap in the face to his staff. Because if, 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 if United's hierarchy think, oh, we'll wait until we sell Jones, Rojo, Lingard, Pereira, then we'll get Sancho and we'll have change. I hate to tell you, lads, that's not going to happen because I don't I think there are many teams out there in a rush to buy those players. Now, I have to say, I think some of those players would be an attractive proposition on a loan deal that was favourable to the, the loaning club. But I don't see a cue for those players I've just mentioned saying, right, here we go, we're going to go in and get him. The only player for me that United want rid of or look as if they want rid of that's attractive to clubs who really would want him is Chris Smalling after the season he had in Italy. So for me, it's pie in the sky if they think they're going to be able to sell these fringe players at a decent price and fund more deals because clubs are not queuing up for these players, let's be honest. Well, here's the thing, Calm. If this was just the only summer this happened, then you would say, okay, maybe there's some excuse because of COVID. But as you quite rightly say, this is something that happens all the time, right? Mourinho finishes second, six points ahead of Liverpool, and you needed to go out that summer and saying, Dallo, who is nowhere near the first team at the minute, unbelievably. Uh, I just don't, maybe Solskjaer just doesn't read him. Lee Grant and Fred, who I'm concerned about. Because he looks like a type of player that needs consistent games to reach a certain level. Uh, and so, uh, 
the Fred that we saw the first few months of the year. You know, people, I, I, I mean, it's not the Fred that we're seeing now. You know, some people say he played well against Copenhagen. Um, but let's think about a couple of things, right? So with this Adidas team, Sulka didn't just save 25 million, he saved 50 million. Because for United to be punished, they have to be out of the league, Champions League two years in a row, which means they get it next year no matter what, right? Because uh, even if they finish sixth next year and not in the Champions League, they don't get financially punished. He saved a fortune with Sanchez money and getting him off the of books, right? And we keep being told we need to take COVID into consideration and how there's pre-COVID prices and uh, there's after-COVID prices. Well, you know what didn't get adjusted after COVID price? Was the cost of the new shirt. So the new shirt gets released. Why isn't that reduced to a new pandemic price? After all, we have to take COVID into consideration. You know, surely you would drop the price of the kits since you expect the price of everything else to be dropped. I mean, when fans get into the stadium, you're going to drop ticket prices for COVID? You know, is subscriptions to MUTV going to drop for COVID? Or say the Glazers going to forsake their dividend for COVID? I guarantee you none of those things will change. Guarantee you. I guarantee you two things. The Glazers' dividend is secure and the fans will not be taken into consideration with new COVID prices. So I don't want to hear it as an excuse. Simple as that. Uh, Schultzger talked about March exploiting this pandemic. Now all of a sudden, United are on the market containing their skin. Ownership is taking a billion and a half out of this football club do not have the money to buy football players. Why not? I mean, it's the one thing you need to use your money for, right? And nobody, but nobody, can ever spend the Glazer ownership as positive. I mean, what type of utterly disgraceful situation is it that you can't even mention their name on the air, on the football clubs, folk calling? I mean, the utter dread and panic that comes over the producers, or the, the host face, if you even mention them. People who think the fans are not worth a simple interview. 15 years, that's what they think of you. They care nothing about you. What they are doing is they're exploiting your love of Manchester United. They're charging you a tax for that. They're saying, we know you love this football club and we are going to exploit that. And as I said, my issue with them, Calum, goes far beyond transfers. It goes beyond the fact that they have now ruined what is normally a rite of passage passing on the love of Manchester to my kids because everything is saddled with guilt. I can't go out with my son's birthday party and buy my Manchester United shirt because I loathe the idea that I'm contributing to them. I can't go out and buy them United gear for this reason. This is what I hate that they've taken from United and their fans. They've taken um, tradition, they've taken culture, they've taken things that mean so much to people that doesn't have a monetary value and now guilted them and taken it from them. And I understand there's a culture out there, especially in, in North America, where they don't see it the same way. It's not a criticism. 
it's just the culture of American sports. They don't really have an issue with, they, they see teams as businesses, right? They're not rooted in their community. If business doesn't work in one city, they move it somewhere else. Can't do with football clubs. Football clubs are totally different, all right? I understand they're also big businesses, right? But their identity is different. They're not franchises. And Americans, for the most part, don't have any issue and don't see the issue, for example, of owners coming in and, and using the football club as an 18-year. I do. I am emotionally invested in this football club and its well-being. Some people aren't. If you have no problems with Manchester United being used as an ATM and feeling to meet their basic requirements, like buying the players the football manager needs for a football team, which is what Manchester United are, to raise on debt rates, their primary business. When you are deprived of the resources to do that, so people in Florida can take that money for their own personal use, I have a problem with that. My emotional investment in Manchester United is their entire well-being. It's a football club. Some people support a football team. They sit in the, on, on a weekend on their TVs and they watch the game. And that's it. That's their emotional investment. It's not me. It's not most United fans that I know. The love is far deeper. So please don't come on my timeline, by the way and tell me that I'm too emotionally invested, that I'm romantic and all this stuff. I don't understand you. You don't understand me. I don't reduce everything in life to profit and loss. Some things are sacred. Would you sell your children? Some of these people would. Everything comes down to profit to them. To me, not, it's not. Some things in life are more important to transcend profit and loss. So for me, what happens every transfer window is the Glazer ownership once parsimony gets amplified, which is why it, uh, and the negativity and the, and, the, and the constraints that it puts on United as a football club gets amplified. This is, of course, why it gets greater uh, amplification on social media during the transfer window than any other time. The rest of the season, we're concentrating on games, and the Glazer ownership becomes peripheral. But then it becomes in front view when you realize how United operate as a football club. Every summer is a pathetic saga of leaks and stories and counter stories. And it's just nauseating. It's just so hard to be actually emotionally engaged in because it's just constant contradictive bullshit. And United just can't do anything properly. Go get your players. Just like Solskjaer said, he asked for three players, Calm, three players. And all we've managed to do so far is sell one. So I said at the end of the season that Solskjaer wasn't on trial this summer, the board were. And they said that we will find out whether we have a football club on our hands that are happy with top four or not. If they fail to sign Alexa Tiered and Sancho, then you get your answer. We celebrated a business um, accomplishment, not a football one. And if they don't get so good the players that he wants, don't come here and talk to me about different managers. No manager can be successful at a football club that has no intention of winning, that only has an intention of generating profit. Manager, honestly, man, it, 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 it's, it, it's like changing drivers on a mini. Until you give someone the actual vehicle to win the race, drivers are pointless. 
Um, a couple of other signings that have been linked with is uh, this young Brazilian defender, Gabriel. Um, I think it is important, Calm, that you need to get a left-hand side at centre-back. I think you can see, you see it. It's fundamental to how you need to play. They don't do well playing out from the back. They always get caught in possession. Nemanja Matic, you get what you get, you have to sacrifice. He's, very, he's, a, he's a much better defensive midfielder than Fred, but what you sacrifice I, 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 and what you don't get with Matic is someone that's great on the ball. He loses possession in dangerous areas, and I think teams target him sometimes. I agree with that. I think that's a fair observation. Um, Fred, you could say at times, is maybe a wee bit better on the ball, but he, you're right, he's not defensively the same player that Matic is. And in terms of a centre-back, I've been very honest and open about the fact that I think United need a centre-back. I don't think the status quo of Maguire and Lindelof is good enough to challenge for a title or challenge an elite competition. It will be good 60 5, 70% of the time, but I don't think over the course of a season, those two players complement each other well enough to, to produce a title win inside. And in terms of a left-footed centre-back, I know um, lots of chat was on Nathan Ake, he's away to Manchester City. Whether he'd have been the answer, I don't, I don't quite know. Um, £41 million for him is an interesting one. People are saying it's a bargain, people are saying it's overpriced. Time, I'm sure, will tell. There's been links, I have to say, I'm sure you're aware as well, you mentioned Gabriel with Tyrone Mings, and for me, that's a no-no for United. Um, Tyrone Mings is not good enough to play for Manchester United. I'm not having a go at him personally. I think he's a decent Premier League player. Good luck to him. Hope he gets more England caps, but for me, he's not good enough to to be a centre-back starter at Manchester United. The club needs to get that left-footed centre-back right, because you look at Eric Bailly, he's a player who, when he's fit, sadly not a lot, um, due to due to injury problems but when he's fit he looks good albeit slightly erratic at times but he looks good but just doesn't fit long enough Lindelof had a really good season at the club where you thought right brilliant if he can build on that United have got a centre back for the next four, five, six years I personally don't think he's built on that anywhere near enough so you have to get it right for me I'd love to see United go after a player like Roman Goli from AC Milan Italian international assured on the ball, experienced but not too old, so he could come in and make a difference. But at the same time, as we've already discussed, if United are haggling over or refusing to pay whatever it may be, uh, pay the price for their top target, how can we then expect it to go out and add even more depth to that? Because the longer Sancho stalls, the, the more chance you've got of very little happening. And then we get into the situation we saw under Van Hal at times where you sign a Falcao. Now, albeit at the time, we were all happy. It, it sounded like a good signing. But it becomes a sort of last week, last fortnight panic of, right, who's available? Who can we get quickly? Who can we appease the fans with? And, and as you've said, that's not going to wash this summer. A centre-back, for me, is a must. But as Solskjaer appears to have said, Sancho is a necessity. So if they can't get him what he deems is a necessity then I'm worried about the, the other departments. And, and for me, that position needs to be addressed ASAP because you might get away with Lindelof and Maguire next season if you're happy to finish top four, as you've said, but you're not going to challenge for titles with those two at the back, I'm afraid. Well, if, let's say, it's Sancho uh, and nobody else, if, say, that's your entire transfer budget, here's the problem and one of the reasons why you need to get this done early. If you need to drag this Sancho dealer all summer, it doesn't happen. Then you want to move for the rest of those players? It's too late. 
You can't do that, right? So the the the, the other allegedly two signings, three players that they want. You can see, I don't even know who United are being linked with heavily, where there's a credible link where you could say that player looks like they're going to go to Manchester United, right? There's no obvious. And when it comes to Sancho, there's no obvious alternatives either, right? So we keep Kingsley Coleman. Look, uh, Byron, City asked for him in, in a swap deal with Stanley, and Byron said no. Byron won't sell him, okay? So you're not getting him. And then you start hearing things like, uh, you know, right away, you start to see United being linked with um, Douglas Costa, right? Don't be surprised if United go and sign someone like a Malang Sar from Watford at a quarter of the price. Don't be surprised, right? Don't be surprised. And we'll tell you everything about the football club. Uh, wouldn't shock me in the slightest to see something like that happen. Um, what's going to be really interesting, Callum, is you, the, the Premier League season starts September 12th, right? There needs to be 30 days between the end of this season and the start of next. With United Night playing on Sunday, that means their Premier League season is going to start late. If they beat Sevilla, right, it will start even later, right? So the dividend for Wolves getting knocked out is they start their Premier League season on time because United will need 30 days break from the end of this Europa League to the start of the next season. So we're already dealing with fixture congestion issues next season on a very limited squad. Um, so that being said, and I said this on Twitter, nothing would please me more as United fans to see Solskjaer win a major trophy as manager. The guy has been absolute class. Off the pitch, on the pitch, everything. Been absolutely class. He's united to the core. He's, he says everything right. You know, talks about one defeat in 23 years of being one defeat too many. He gets the standards of the football club. He has united playing the way a Manchester team should play. And this is the part that frustrates me, Callum, because this is the best United have looked since Ferguson. This is the closest they've looked to getting it right. Everything right. right. Right off the pitch. They've done a great job off the pitch. Right? They've done a lot of things right, to be fair. Right? Um, uh, uh, and, some, and I mentioned this on Twitter also. My issue is with the Glazer family, not the people that work at Manchester United. There's a lot of very, very, very nice people that work at that football club that are truly magnificent people, and they're not your enemy. All right, guys trying to make a living to feed their family or not your enemy. Okay, so don't take it out on them. So, um, those are, there's a lot of very good people to club. Don't want to make that clear. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's going to be really, really interesting with a limited squad starting the season late and uh, trans no uh, only obvious signing that looks like it might happen is Jaden Sancho. And if, as what I'm told, United are going to look to continue to sell more players and, 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 and diminish that squad even further, and that replace, if Lingard goes for 10 million and has any replacement, right? Um, that's a big concern for me. And so uh, I think, I say I would find a lot out about the club this summer. Uh, this is the best the club has looked since Ferguson, and that momentum looks like it's going to get killed. 
by United refusing to back the manager. Let's let's have it right, Callum. They got away with this under Ferguson because he was a genius. Right? Never have the Glazers been put in a situation where they have to buy big to restore United back to the top. Ferguson never put them in that situation. So had they not have had Ferguson, where he was able to bridge that gap with his genius by sending someone like Robin Van Persie for $24 million, right? then that ownership model would have been exposed a lot quicker. But now we're in a situation where the football club is saying, okay, you got success on the cheap for the first seven years you were here. Now the football club needs proper governance and investments. Where are you? They're not here. They're in Florida, right? Because the choice between paying Jade and Sancho's, the difference is this. Pay it to get the player or accept that it gets treasured in Florida. Anyone that's saying you should walk away. I ask you, why do you consent to this? Why are you allowing this football club to be bled dry by people who have no concern for it, no attachment, nor do they care about it, so that they can walk away with your money? I don't, I'm, I'm not okay with that. For me, you've summed it up there in the sense that if United don't back Ollie now, a lot of people point to that summer when Mourinho got Fred, Lee Grant. Yeah. Um, and they, they always point to that summer as being the real definitive point where things started to go downhill. Dallow, I think, was the other mm-hmm. one, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And you just think, okay, that was a bad summer, especially with hindsight. But there were still quality players, a few quality players in that team who you would expect Mourinho to have got more out of. However, with Solskjaer, to have taken the club from where it was after Burnley, to bring Fernandez in, to mould the team that has not only excited Man United fans, but has been given plaudits by lots of people within football, not just people who live and breathe the club like ourselves, mm-hmm. people within football who are looking up and thinking, see if they go into the market and sign two or three, they'll be a lot closer. If you don't back him now, as you've said there, then kiss goodbye to your football club. Kiss goodbye to football ever, ever being important to the ownership. Now, a lot of people say about the ownership that they've never been interested in football, and, and you can understand that statement. This summer's the chance to prove that they are. And if they fail this test, as some fans will say, they've failed many others, then the damage could be catastrophic in the sense that United, if United go from where they are now, finishing third, positive momentum, to next season, falling behind and falling back out of the Champions League. I just, it, it will sicken me and many others beyond belief. And I see that causing long-term damage to the club, where many people said, oh, Liverpool, 30 years, blah, blah, blah. United are approaching 10. Failure to back Ollie now in a position of strength. That 10 will come quickly. Then where will you be? Because well, do you see the Glazers sailing up any time soon? No, it's not going to happen. It's even less of a possibility now. When you've got Joe Glazer, who's your director of football, right, as the athletic quite rightly pointed out, sitting in Florida determining which players are good enough and match value for money, we have a problem. Okay. Uh, Solskjaer, if you if you United don't, uh, I mean, I would like to see my chance for the title. If you United say you have a bad start this season, Solskjaer will take the blame. And the people that are responsible for this will once again look for someone else to come in 
without ever holding themselves accountable. It's always somebody else's fault. But at what point do the people above schools could take responsibility for this? When do they take responsibility in the Zen and give someone else a chance? You know, because you are responsible for all the ingredients, right, that goes into the pie. When the pie comes out and it doesn't look like it should, you've got to take responsibility. So for me, I think Solskjaer was in a difficult job anyway. Um, it's very difficult for even the world's top managers to manage a club like United. But repeatedly the theme from managers is not being backed, asking for a right back and getting a plumber, as I said. And um, we shall see what happens this summer. They are on trial. No, you can have, you can make signings or you can make excuses. Whatever the world does incur, the world will give you making excuses to fail. You can find them. Trust me, it'll be fine. But the, you, the, you will bear the consequences of that. Top teams in the world don't make excuses. They get the players they need. And with Barcelona and Real Madrid in decline, this would be a perfect summer to go out and strengthen United to resume. But, you know, it's not the, to me, I think what, what we've seen at the top of football now is not what we're seeing at the top of 2012, 13, 14, 15, when we had these great Barcelona teams that were almost unbeatable, the Real Madrid teams. This would be a perfect opportunity for United to go out and establish themselves back at the very top. Um, uh, and uh, for me, I have my doubts, but we shall see. Calm and go ahead and leave it there, mate. Uh, thanks to all of you for the likes, downloads, retweets, everything, and the follows and everything. Also, so grateful to each and every one of you. Thanks to those of you who went to our website and donated to help us with the running costs. It's always appreciated. And uh, we shall be back again. I'll be back with some more stuff uh, through the week. Calm. All the best, mate. All the best. Take care. Cheers, folks. <laughs>